block one, this is going to be your basic neuroassessment video. Uh, we're going to go over a level of consciousness, how to determine orientation, uh, perla, grips, pushes, and pulls, among other things. So the nervous system controls or affects the function of all body systems in one way or another. It allows interactions with the external world, and it's composed of two systems, the central nervous system, uh, which is the brain and the spine, and the peripheral nervous system, which are um, cranial and spinal nerves. There is a great schoolhouse rock that is all about the nervous system. It's called Telegraph Line, if you want to go on YouTube and look at it. I think it's really cute and does a really good job of explaining the difference. So here's a list of a complete neurological assessment, um, including mental status, cranial nerves, reflexes, and sensory function, and motor and cerebellar function. Um, we don't do most of this on a daily basis for patients even when they have um, neurological disorders. A lot of times this is done by a physician or a healthcare provider. However, we do have the ability as nurses to assess all of these areas. Um, and you'll learn more about that in your neuro section of block two. Um, but these are things that nurses do have the ability to assess for as well. So first off, let's start talking about level of consciousness. This is one of the most important indicators of um, your neurological assessment that you're going to want to be aware of. Um, and, it, and it's very easy to well, I should say most of the time, it's very easy to assess on your patient. So the level of consciousness. So is your patient alert? Meaning, are they awake and are they responsive to all stimuli? Meaning, am I, I'm talking to my patient and they are responding to me because they hear me. They're alert. They have their eyes open. They are looking at me. They're alert. Okay. Um, lethargic, uh, meaning that your patient is drowsy, um, sluggish or half asleep. So um, that, that's just another um, level of consciousness that we, we could see as well. Um, obtunded, meaning mentally dulled response slowly or they have decreased interest. Um, this could be some other neurological disorders as well. Um, stuprous, meaning um, near unconsciousness. So it's, it's very difficult to wake these patients up. Um, they also have the reduced ability to respond, even if they can't hear you. Um, and then finally, a coma. Uh, your patient is unconscious, uh, meaning they are not awake, um, and they are unresponsive. Um, so when we talk about responsiveness, um, there are some different types of stimuli that we can give to the patient, and that kind of helps to determine their level of consciousness as well. So when I was talking about your patient being alert, and awake, right? We're talking about verbal or auditory uh, stimuli. That patient can hear me and is responding to my verbal stimuli. Um, tactile stimuli, meaning that when I touch the patient, they can, like if I just kind of shake their shoulder, uh, they can um, rouse, they can become awake um, if they are sleeping or drowsy. Um, and then finally, painful stimuli. So meaning that we would, um, place our fingernail um, in that kind of cuticle groove of their hand and then kind of press down lightly 
and see if your patient responds to that painful stimuli, or if your patient is super drowsy and super uh, obtunded or lethargic, you might want to consider um, a sternal rub. That means taking your knuckles and pressing them on the patient's sternum and rubbing lightly or heavily, depending on how obtunded um, your patient is or stuporous they are, um, to see if you can get um, a response to that painful stimuli. So we always want to try to start with verbal stimulation. Okay, we're not going to go straight to rubbing our knuckles on someone's sternum. That's painful and uncalled for. So you always want to uh, start with the verbal simulation. So if your patient doesn't respond to verbal simulation, then you go to tactile. If there's no response to tactile, then you can try um, your painful stimulus. Also, let's talk about charting. So how am I going to chart or document that my patient is lethargic. So it's it's not a very good adjective to kind of paint the picture of what's going on with your patient. So instead of charting that the patient's lethargic, excuse me, you could chart that the patient responds to repeated verbal and tactile stimulation but quickly drifts off to sleep if stimulation is discontinued. Okay, so we talked about level of consciousness, or abbreviated LOC, meaning how awake and alert is your patient. So now we're going to talk about cerebral function and mental status and how they communicate. So um, this can refer to your patient's intellectual and behavioral functioning. So for um, mental status, we ask orientation questions, and these are person, place, time, and situation. So these are going to sound like silly questions that you're asking your patient and you can you can obviously tell them that I would uh, let's not say obviously you can tell them that and say these might sound like silly questions but bear with me they're, they're very important so please answer them honestly um, and you can ask your patient um, can you tell me your full name and they'll tell you I'm Caitlin Ryan and then you can ask tell me where you are that is assessing you know that if they know that they're in a facility or if they think they're at home well technically i'm at home right now but if you're having uh, this conversation with a patient they would say oh i'm at st joe's hospital and then for time you can ask them what year it is you can ask them the month or the day that's kind of up to you we usually do the year um, so it's 2020 and then for situation you can um, ask them what brought you into the hospital you know tell me tell me what's going on why are you here um, we also one that is very commonplace for this question is who is the president I personally don't care for asking that anymore so I like to ask what brought you here or what's going on in relation to your visit so that goes into this A and O X that I have on the slide here. So that means that's how we document um, the level of consciousness and orientation. So the A stands for alert. So if your patient is alert, um, you can say A and O times however many questions they answer correctly. So I got 100%, so I am A and O times four. I got all four of those questions right. Thank goodness. Um, if your patient only answers, um, 
you know, person and place correctly, but they think that it's 1987 and that, um, let's see, Obama is the president, um, that they would only be alert and oriented times two. And if you are any less than four, um, you must specify which two the patient is oriented to. So like we were saying, this patient is alert and oriented to person and place because that can also vary depending on um, what type, if your patient has an injury to the brain or if they have dementia or Alzheimer's, something like that. One way that we can objectively measure a patient's um, alert and oriented-ness um, or their level of consciousness and um, you know other types of cerebral functioning is the Glasgow Coma Scale or GCS. Um, so this is a scale that I'll show you on the next slide that looks at the three parameters of consciousness um, with eye opening, verbal response, and motor response. Um, the highest score you can get is 15, which is fully alert and oriented. And a score, well this depends on the facility, but usually a score of seven or less reflects coma status. So here is that scale. Uh, so you can see that um, eye-opening response is, um, there are four sections in that category. Uh, same thing with verbal response. And motor response has six. Um, so it's it's interesting that we, that we use this still because your patient could be completely dead, as you can see, totally unresponsive and still have a GCS score of three. So more cerebral functioning tests that we can do um, to look at patients' mental status and cognitive function are um, assessing the patient's behavior. Are they uh, behaving appropriately or, are, or is their behavior um, bizarre and, and out of character? Um, mood and affect. Um, is the patient in a good mood? Are they in a bad mood? Um, this is usually self-reported by the patient since, um, you know, we don't know them from when they were not admitted to a facility. So that's something that is uh, subjective that you can ask the patient. Um, we can look at their affect. Um, this is the emotional tone observed by the nurse. Um, a lot of times we, we use this uh, with the term flat, so we would say a patient has a flat affect, meaning that they're just very blah and like not excitable about anything, don't have any um, emotional tone in their voice, they're just very flat and monotone. Um, that could be, um, a lot of times we'll consider um, suicidal ideation with a flat affect, but a lot of times that is a result of a brain injury, so it just depends on the patient. But it is something that we should be um, we should be looking at and monitoring for because it can indicate other cognitive issues. Um, listening to their speech is the patient's speech clear? Is it jumbled? Is it incomprehensible? Are they just saying words that don't make any sense? Because that can tell us a lot about their cognitive uh, status. Uh, memory, not something we usually test for in the hospital, um, more done as outpatient, as an outpatient. Um, but you can tell the patient to remember three things at the beginning of your exam and then ask them to recall them at the end and if they can or if they cannot. Um, thought processes and um, 
judgment and insight, though that's attention span, logic of speech, ability to focus, and appropriateness of responses. And then judgment and insight, um, looking at the ability for a patient to solve a problem and make decisions. And then knowledge about themselves, their limitations and consequences of actions. This is more these are more things that are done with a full cognitive evaluation that's usually done by speech therapy. Um, but in just talking to your patient, a lot of times you can get um, a lot of this information just by, you know, as you're going on with your assessment, um, as you're looking for pulses or inspecting their skin and they're talking to you, you can kind of gather this information along the way. Another thing we can do um, as part of a neurological assessment is uh, assessment of sensory function. This has a lot to do with um, stroke patients. This is actually part of the NIHSS stroke scale uh, to help determine um, how bad a patient's stroke is and where it's located in the brain. Um, so how we can do this, and it just depends on the facility if this is something that needs to be included in your neurological exam. Um, you can tell the patient to keep their eyes closed as you apply various stimuli. So what you can do is have the patient shut their eyes and you can ask them to verbalize to you what part of the body that you are stimulating. So you could say do with a light touch like a cotton wisp. Um, you could brush the patient's right forearm and then they would have to say right forearm. And then you could ask them, is that dull or soft? Or excuse me, is that sharp or soft? Um, and then they hopefully will be able to tell you. Um, usually we do not do a temperature test. Um, that's more of a, a healthcare provider, um, more in-depth test. Um, we usually will use um, a cotton ball or um, you know a Q-tip applicator, or um, the the sharp, sh not sharp, but like sharper side of your pen, just so that they can feel that difference between cotton and a, a sharper item. Uh, make sure that you are varying your location and your approach, and then. Um, usually we test the upper extremities, lower and lower extremities. Um, a lot of times it's right or left or both. Continuing on with the neurological assessment, these are some um, great items to ask your patient if they are experiencing any of these things. Um, headache, um, if they've had a previous head injury, if they're experiencing dizziness or vertigo. Um, vertigo is the, the medical terminology for dizziness. Um, if they've experienced it in the past or if they're experiencing, if they're experiencing it currently, uh, does the patient have a history of seizures? Um, do they have tremors, which is can be baseline um, depending on what history they have, such as Parkinson's? Um, if the patient has been becoming more uncoordinated? Do they feel as if they're having any numbness or tingling or any weakness in their extremities? Um, have they been noticing any difficulty swallowing? That's a huge red flag that we need to address pretty quickly if they've been having difficulty swallowing because um, that might be uh, an issue with protecting their airway. Uh, difficulty speaking uh, or any other significant neurological history like 
brain tumor, brain surgery, or a stroke, or Bell's palsy, or anything having to, related to um, neurological disease. And then environmental and occupational hazards, such as um, if your patient works with metal, or if they are a tree climber, do they have um, propensity to fall or any hazards that they, they could um, injure their neurological system as well. So let's go over some abnormal neurological findings. Um, so if your patient has an altered level of consciousness, altered level of consciousness, meaning if they're anything but awake and able to respond to verbal stimuli, meaning your patient is lethargic or stuporous, obtunded, or in a coma. Definitely altered level of consciousness. And then cerebral function. So is your patient disoriented? Do they have um, altered mental status? Um, are they exhibiting any signs of inappropriate behavior? Um, memory loss, impaired judgment, or impaired speech. Um, we didn't go into cranial nerves a ton, but um, there are some quick things that we, you'll get more, you'll get more of that into block two, but uh, there are some quick things that we can assess um, to see if there are any cranial nerve damages happening, um, such as loss of sense of smell, unequal pupils, uh, asymmetrical facial movement, hearing loss or difficulty swallowing. Any of those things can indicate an issue with cranial nerves and, um, you know, a disease process happening inside the head. Um, reflexes, again, we didn't go into that a ton, but uh, it depends on the facility in which you work, if you will be doing that or the area that you specialize in. Uh, so you can have absent or diminished uh, reflexes, um, or on the other side, you can have hyperactive reflexes, um, or diminished sense, or sorry, going back into um, sensory function, you can have uh, diminished sensation, um, areas of absent perception, or peripheral neuropathy. That happens a lot with your diabetic population, meaning that they have continuous uh, numbness or tingling in their extremities. So that could be their new normal, but that does indicate a disease process happening. Um, and then let's talk about gait and grips, pushes, and pulls. So gait, meaning how your patient walks, um, is can be indicative of um, some types of neurological disease. So as part of your assessment, if it's safe and if they can, you want to make sure that you are um, observing your patient walk um, and looking at their gait. Is it steady? Is it equal? Are they limping? Um, you know, things like that. And then um, grips, pushes, and pulls. Uh, that's something that you're going to be doing in your head-to-toe assessment. And that actually um, looks at your peripheral nerves and uh, strength and are you what you want to be looking for is are they strong or weak um, and are they equal on both sides or is one side stronger than the other side um, you also want to be looking at muscle tone so um, flaccidity uh, or decreased muscle tone or hypotonia um, is where the muscle feels limp soft and flabby um, the muscle is weak and is easily fatigued 
Um, some patients will exhibit something called spasticity. That's increased muscle tone and increased resistance to passive lengthening, and that may, they may suddenly give way. Um, you also might see rigidity. That is, these things are more um, uncommon, but something to be aware of. Uh, rigidity is the constant state of muscle resistance. So that muscle is basically always flexed. Um, and it resists passive motion, excuse me, movement in any direction and can also be ca called dystonia. So before we uh, end this lecture, I do want to do a brief little diatribe on um, altered level of consciousness versus altered mental status. So ALOC versus AMS. Um, I used to work registration before I was a nurse and a lot of times this would be a chief complaint that patients would come to the ER with and uh, people tend to use them interchangeably but they are very different. So ALOC or altered level of consciousness is that is your patient awake? Are they sleepy? Are they lethargic? Are they in a coma? So that is their level of consciousness. Are they conscious or unconscious? Okay. Then AMS or altered mental status, meaning is the patient aware of their surroundings? Do they know who they are? Do they know that they're in the hospital right now? Or do they think that they're an 85 year old with a catheter in line for the teacups at Disneyland? So there's a huge difference between ALOC and AMS. So just a pet peeve of mine that I want to pass on to the future of nursing. Please don't confuse those two. All right, so make sure to go through the corresponding reading to solidify your understanding of the content that I reviewed, that I have reviewed in this um, video. And then if you have questions, make sure to bring them up at the online review session and or utilize your discussion board function within Canvas. Thank you.